Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Emmy Vadness, co-host with Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is facing evil. My guest is Kate Montana, who's been a guest on New Thinking Aloud previously. She has had a 30-year career in journalism and is the former editor of The Bleeping Herald, the newsletter for the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Kate is author and co-author of several books, including Unearthing Venus, My Search for the Woman Within, The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials, and Cracking the Matrix, 14 Keys to Individual and Global Freedom, which is the topic of our conversation today. Kate is located in Hawaii, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Kate. It's such a pleasure to have you back with us on New Thinking Aloud today. Thank you, Emmy. It's really good to be here. Why is it so important for us to look at evil when most people would prefer to look away? <laughs> well, we've been taught from from infancy onwards, whether we went to church or not, um, that evil is something, well, it's scary. You know, it's, it's the dark side, it's the shadow, it's the horns and the tail. Um, and, you know, it's something that, that kids get, you know, Satan will come get you if you make the, you know, we're threatened by our parents or our teachers or our ministers or our society or whatever. Um, and it's, and, and so we, we naturally just go that way. Plus, you know, when you're a little kid, the dark is kind of scary. And, and, you know, I think most of us as kids are really psychically way psychically more tuned in than we are as we get programmed as adults to not see what's really there. And kids know what's going on, you know, so they, they, you know, when they talk about that thing under the bed or in the closet, you know, they're picking up on energies most of the time. They're not making it up. Um, but then we get talked out of it, but it's all about, it's, you know, it's the fear factor, Emmy. Yeah. That, that's fundamentally it. Um, plus, who wants to look at nasty stuff? I mean, I'd rather, you know, having spent 40 years in the whole new age movement, you know, God knows 25,000 hours meditation, gurus, teachers, the whole nine yards. It's like, I'm focused on the light. And, you know, and that just, mm, nah. So... Um, and religion, religion kind of trivializes it. I was raised in the Episcopal Church, and you know, so fortunately, I didn't get the the, the pulpit pounding, Bible thumping. You know, the devil's going to get you if you know if you swear or um, have sex before marriage, or and that that's a a mortal sin to do things like that. That kind of trivializes evil, and it makes it kind of its own caricature. So that we don't pay attention to it because of that kind of a, a either a really scary or it's that's just so bizarre and old fashioned and, and you know, that's so yesteryear um, kind of orientation towards the devil um, that we can marginalize it and ignore it and go. Nyeh. So there's so many different reasons why we trivialize, ignore um, the whole topic. And many of us weren't taught even really how to deal with evil. No, I, you know, embrace Jesus. 
he's my savior. Okay. Well, you know, however we go about in our little child's minds trying to figure out how to do that. And then we go to church and we have all the impressions that this is how you become a good person to avoid evil. And so you won't go to hell and burn forever. Or, you know, if you're raised in an atheistic family, it just really doesn't come up. Um, as far as Eastern, you know, the, 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 they, the Buddhists talk about Mara. Um, but that's the entity that tried to trick, uh, that's the evil spirit that tried to trick Buddha out of his enlightenment and distract him. So they're aware of these distracting energies for sure. The new age arena, um, doesn't really address it. Mm -hmm. We, unless you get into an organization or a teaching that really is talking about doing shadow work. And then what's really bizarre um, and unfortunate is that evil is no longer a force that exists. It's not really real and it's definitely not outside of us. It's inside of us. The shadow is within, the darkness is within. And so then, you know, then there's that whole course of, well, I've got to do a rotor rooter job on my soul and figure out why I'm the evil one, why, well, why I'm corrupt, why I'm sinful, um, why I'm bad and wrong and all this self-judgment occurs. And um, so that's a trap. And, and again, and that's a total, we're not looking at evil. Now we're looking at our own navels going, oh God, I'm such a horrible person. And how do I get out of this? Um, so that's a whole other contributing factor. Mm -hmm. How do you characterize or define evil juxtaposed from the shadow, Jungian shadow? I really never even thought about this subject until mm, the end of 2021. And uh, the whole, the, when the world went insane with COVID and all the, everything hit the wall and, and it, everything in me kind of like woke up and went, what the hell is going on on this planet? What's really going on? What am I not seeing? And that was kind of the question. Well, that was the question. What am I not seeing that woke me up to this whole other force that I, from as far as my research is concerned, has been on this planet for at least 30,000 years at, after the most likely after the fall of Atlantis. And, and so I started to examine the thread of this, the, the thread of, of anti-life, the thread of anti-love, the thread of conflict, the thread of divisiveness, the thread of putting people at one another's throats, the thread of we're bad and wrong and, and original sin, and all this programming and all these ideas about how we're, humans are not to be trusted. And yes, we do lip service to, you know, through spirituality and religion, you know, we're spiritual beings, but then, you know, and then we denigrate the body and that's bad and wrong and we're bad and wrong. So it's all about having to get out of our bodies, become something other than our nasty human selves and certainly not embrace the body because this is where sex happens and, and all sorts of unfortunate events that we're not supposed to engage in. And it's um, so there's this insidious program. So we come to Jung 
And um, so when Jung came up with the shadow and, and I looked at, you know, all the research I'd been doing. And I mean, it even took me back into the whole thing about ancient aliens and DNA genetic programming. And, you know, if we want to get into that later, we can. So, you know, I was diving really deep into the history of evil and the, the whole thought of it. And so I come to Jung and, and, and he says, well, you know, we all have this shadow material in us and it's, and life is a process of awakening to those dark little insidious habits that are born of really survival instincts. And so any spiritual journey, any psychological psychiatric journey um, is all about you, you dive into the dark stuff as well and make that known so that it's not triggering your subconscious and driving you subconsciously to do icky, nasty things in your life that trip you up and basically self-sabotage. So I was like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And then this evil force that is really astral and it's psychic. And so it's not physical. So we really can't put our finger on it. So, but this insidious little, the greatest image is the, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other whispering in your ear, whispering in your ear. It's like, you know, okay, I know the whispering in my ear devil is um, triggering all of my unconscious shadow material. So my I need to do shadow work so that I don't have so much subconscious guilt about, you know, my father died and I was angry at him, you know, before he left and got hit by a car or, you know, or whatever the, 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 the subterranean issues that we've got going on is, is can't be exacerbated by that little devil on the shoulder saying, you're a worthless piece of poo. And, and, you know, and that just drives us into such low self-esteem and desperation. And then we get into porn and we get into drugs and then we get into alcohol and we get into overwork. And then we do all these compensatory external distractions because we're hurting inside and we've got this stuff we don't know that's driving us. And then we've got the astral psychic influence influencing that. So when I, when I went back to Jung, I've got a, um, a master's degree in psychology and I studied Jung a lot and I went, ah, wow, that's, that's what happens. We come into bodies. One of the first things we learn in a body is, ow, that hurt. Oh, I can be hurt. This is a scary place. And mommy yells at me or daddy yells at me or I get spanked or I fall down or I burn myself on the stove. Life is a scary place in a body. We're in a skin suit. I'm vulnerable. And then, and I point this out in one of my other books, there's this, and this is actually how the ego structure develops, is that my eyes are telling me there's a little green dot on my camera and it's over there. It's a two, and a two feet away. And you're not really here. I'm looking at a screen and I see you, Emmy, and you're over there and you're separate from me. And I'm isolated and alone. And there's nothing to really protect me. So this is all subconscious stuff that happens in an infant's subconscious, pre-verbal. But this is the entrainment of I'm separate. I'm vulnerable. I can be hurt physically emotionally. And so we grow up with this sense of vulnerability and fear. And if we're in fear and feeling vulnerable, what do we do? We compensate. We can become aggressive. We take the toys from all the other kids before the other kids can play with them. We fight, we argue. It's all defense mechanisms to keep us safe, protected. So that ties into the whole shadow material. We'd start these, these um, patterns 
of function that are really um, incompatible with love, if you will, incompatible with with community that that don't support us. And um, so we get locked into that. So we've got this insidious psychic astral influence that shows up in dreams. It shows up in this little kind of this little negative voice in our head all the time. It's exacerbating all that fear, subconscious fear and vulnerability, aggression patterns, guilt things from whatever happened. You know, you forgot your report didn't give your parents your report card and you lied and you feel guilty about that. 30 years later, you're playing out all this garbage. And so uh, I know this is a long winded thing, but this is exactly what happened with, with, I went, Jung makes sense of how this force influences us. And we do have shadow material. We do do nasty, gnarly things. Can't dodge that as a truth. So for the first half of writing the book, I even wrote a chapter on the shadow and Jung, and this is how these forces influence us subconsciously. And Jung was aware of this. And so as we become aware and, and reveal and unearth all these old shadow materials in us, we're released and there's nothing else for this insidious influence to influence so much anymore. So, and that's the psychic, that's the, that's the psychological um, healing process. That's the spiritual path. Of course, we keep going on the spiritual path and then we end up, you know, debating about the whole presence of the reality of the ego itself, but we won't go there. I know you differentiate between evil and shadow. Definitely. The shadow is all that subconscious material that I just talked about that comes up that drives our actions that aren't aren't healthy and but this evil influence you know i i really think that up front we need to establish that that evil is an actual presence it's an actual intelligence it is non-physical it is unemotional it is highly binary and it is astral in nature and it feeds on energy it feeds on emotional energy it feeds on our fears. It feeds on our anxiety. It can even feed, it feeds on our irritation. Mostly it feeds, seems to feed on negative um, emotions, but not necessarily the case. It feeds on emotional energy, period. So if we're all ramped up and, um, and super hyped up on 10 cups of coffee and we're revved and going into a, a, a huge, corporate presentation and you know and you, you know all that's that enormous emotional and psychic energy that we've got built up that's a feeding ground so what i've understood is is emmy there there's a name for this presence in every culture on the planet every culture on the planet names this negative self a force this anti-life that drives people to self-destructive actions and feelings and emotions and the, the greeks called it the archons of course we're familiar from bible satan beelzebub or beelzebub um the devil um in uh islam is el shaitan in the hawaiian culture where i live it's the epa um, in North American, Native American uh, cultures, it's Windingo for the Iroquois, with Tico for another um, Native American uh, tribe. 
it, it just goes on and on and on. And that was one of the things that really jerked a knot in my head and woke me up in the last couple of years is, is looking, it's like, oh my God, this is ubiquitous. This is everywhere. Everybody's been writing about it forever. And why am I, well, when I asked that original question, what am I not seeing? I'm like, holy Moses, this is what nobody's seeing is that this is actual, a real thing. And you know, if, if even a year ago, I'd been hanging out with any of my, well, excuse me, new age friends and said, well, you know, I really think the devil exists. They would, you know, they, they would think that I'd just gone off the deep end. Um, you know, and start, and, and a lot of my, a lot of my friends and a lot of people question this whole journey I've been on investigating evil in the first place going, what the hell are you think you're doing? You're just going to, but it's really weird because as much as they kind of like go, that's just crazy talk. But at the same time, they'll turn around and go, but you know, you're just going to, if you look that, if you start investigating that, you're just going to draw nasty stuff to you. You're going to have problems. You're going to draw. And then they even use the word evil forces, dark forces. No, that's the word. You'll attract dark forces. And I'm like, so we're, we're kind of schizophrenic about this whole, we're, we literally are schizophrenic about this whole thing. I mean, it's just like on one hand, we've known ever since we were babies that this stuff exists, that these forces, these entities, these astral beings exist. We know we, we have dreams about it. We have weird dreams. We have, you know, hypnagogic states in between sleep and awake where, you know, stuff kind of attacks us. We know this stuff exists, but we're raised in a culture and in a religion and in a spiritual environment that just, no, 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 don't worry. Don't, don't look over there. Look, look to the light or let's just look to the shadow material within us. Let's focus on how unfortunately we've been raised and how unfortunate our own psyche is. And, and let's look at the darkness in us and, and work on that. So it's all about us and it's all about us not accepting the fundamental premise that human beings are beings of love. We are spirits of love. Full stop. So, so the question becomes, okay, I'm a spirit of pure love, pure love, pure love. Okay. Not, you know, and if I can get my head out of the clouds for a moment and, and stop trying to project pure love as something that is emanated from above down into me. And I can start in feeling grounded in a sense of, okay, I'm love. I'm pure love. I'm pure love. What does that feel like? Okay. Wow, wow. 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 Well, then the question becomes, well, if I'm pure love, how did we get so screwed up? How did we get here? Our society is totally, you know, what it up. And, you know, everybody has self-esteem issues that just like go down to the, the bedrock of our souls, it seems. And we can never be good enough. We can never be pretty enough, thin enough, rich enough, successful enough. It's, uh, and it really blew my mind, Emmy, when I realized that, all the stuff that I eschewed in the external material, the material world, all of that stuff, having to be something that I'm not. And I turned around and did the exact doggone thing in the spiritual arena. 
I'm not good enough. I'm not light enough. I'm not sweet enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not pure enough. I'm not elevated enough. I'm not Christ enough. So 40 years of, of spiritual teaching on top of however many decades of social, I'm not enough. I've got to be somewhere closer to God that's out there and, and, and leave my body and improve myself and become my enlightened self or my Christ self or my source self or my light self or my higher self. <clears throat> Everything takes us away from being who we really are simple beings of love that seriously, all we have to do, and I hate saying things like all we have to do because simple is usually really, really tough, but it's just be with ourselves, go into our bodies, go into our heartfelt sense of love and start recognizing that frequency and just keep coming back to that, you know, not making a ritual out of it and not making a meditation out of it. Although, it doesn't matter. You do. People need to do whatever they feel drawn to do because that's part of what the heart is. And when we get embodied, what happens is we start getting led out of all this entrapment of these programs, spiritual programs, religious programs, social programs. When we get into our bodies, we get into our heart space and we just sit there. It gets quiet and kind of simple. And yes, all the other hurrah is still going on and, and it's kind of like coming out of meditation. Okay. Like when I open my eyes, get off my Zazen pillows, like, Oh God, there's the bills and there's the, there's the this and there's the that still out there. Right. But it gives us a grounding of a sense of who we really are and a place of safety and a place of a beginning sense of self trust, which is everything we've been trained not to have. The last thing we're being, the last message we have is to believe in ourselves, trust ourselves, love ourselves as we are. So there's this enormous program journey that, that I've, you know, my eyes have been open and boy, have my eyes been open. I've been like, holy guacamole, Batman. So fundamentally, Emmy, what I've done in the last year and a half is I've ended up in an entirely different reality than I was in. A year and a half ago, if, if as I've said, evil was a concept, a mental construct, nothing more. Bad dreams, okay, yeah, okay, yes, I've had psychic attacks, you know, yes, I've had all those, but those all happened in liminal spaces where, you know, I can kind of dismiss that that snake-headed being that, you know, was was chasing after me, or the the beast in the in the in the in the uh, graveyard at night that was chasing me and the astral influences and psychic things that sometimes I can feel eh, that all happens in in between states that I can just marginalize and eventually dismiss. I open my eyes and oh, here I am. This is what's real. Yeah, that doesn't exist. So I've moved from that space and always wanting to get out to God out of my body out 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 always higher always not me. So that was my fundamental reality up until a year and a half ago. And now I'm like, Oh my God, I have been influenced by these shadow beings all of my life. Oh my God, everybody I know and my entire world has been influenced and infiltrated by these shadow beings for thousands of years. Oh my God, nothing is what I thought it was.
You're suggesting that evil is something different than the darker shadow places within us. You're suggesting it's a another force aside from what some people might consider God or the divine. Absolutely. As I said, we've got this shadow material in us because we're insecure, because we're in skin suits. So we are vulnerable. That's real. So yes, we have compensatory um, programming and, and stuff we do to make up for our sense of vulnerability and fear and lack of connection with one another. Absolutely. And so, and so, yes, we do develop those unattractive ways of thinking and judging other people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we've got shadow material. So for the longest time, I thought that, okay, when I started introducing the reality of this other force, which is psychic, astral level, it is non-physical, it is non-emotional that feeds on our emotions. So it's an entirely different thing. So if I feel guilty because um, I cheated on my math exams all through college, and then this is going to, and then I feel guilty because, oh, I had sex before marriage, and, and I feel guilty because of this. And then, you know, I've got this subconscious guilt ball running me in my choices in life. And so this, this, this is a feeding frenzy. And so, and so these, they're intelligent beings. God, I know. And, you know, part of me to this day, even a year and a half later, Emmy, I can't even believe I'm having this conversation. Okay. So seriously, that's the, the level of the holy God almighty, different reality. So these entities feed on that and exacerbate. They're intelligent. They push all our buttons. They, they literally whisper ideas in our ear. They infiltrate our dreams at night. And the more emotionally raw we are, the more insecure we are, the more frightened we are, the more divided amongst one another we are, the more isolated we are. Look at what's been happening globally in the last two years. It sets us up for even more fear and even more energetic. It's a feast, boys. So these entities, this force, influences us to drive us in a direction of self-destruction so that it continued to feed. So the more division, the more conflict, the more unhappiness, the more suspicion, the more self-hatred, the, the more porn, the more drugs, the more sex, the more out of control everything. It's like... You know, it's like it's like probably an old hellfire preacher would would, you know, pound the pulpit 50 years ago and say, you know, you're going to hell, boy. And it's like and I look around the world right now and it's not a pretty picture how we're living and it's not a pretty picture how we're being how it looks like we're being set up with the great reset that the elites have in, in mind and, and AI, the only way we're going to be able to actually compete and survive in the world is to have neural lace implants in our brains so that we can become factoid computers um, and, and, and mentalize our way to a better reality. And so I look at, at the world and I go, well, God almighty, this is pretty hellish. <laughs> 
So there's a huge difference between, you know, yeah, we've got our insecurities, but at heart, if we could keep coming back to, I'm a being of love. I really, not love out there, not some idealized love, not a love that, oh, I have to be nice all the time. I have to say only nice things. I can only think positive thoughts. I can't have negative thoughts. That's not loving, which is a program. You're a human being. You're going to have negative thoughts. So what? But the moment we make them bad and wrong and sell lots of books about positivity, it's just like I'm on the, I'm on the, I can't be me train. I'm bad and wrong. I have to change me, which the whole message of everything, Emmy, is to take us away from our self-love and to just ground in the simplicity of our being, which is part of nature, you know? It's, it's, this is why we feel so good when we go outdoors and we, you know, forest bathing is now a thing for God's sakes because we're so detached from our natural energies, from our natural environment. We're dislocated from our value. We're dislocated from one another makes me want to weep. So, so the simplicity of coming back and it, and it flies in the face of every teaching uh, of every social message of every philosophy that, that we, at heart, we are good. We are, we are pure beings of love, but we have adopted an infiltrated message that we are the source of evil that we come sullied into this world filled with original sin and corruption by the very fact that we have these bodies that come on, you know, if you studied any quantum physics whatsoever, we know is E equals MC squared. This isn't really physical, but we won't go there. <laughs> I think let's go there because it's all about a lot of what you're describing sounds like dualistic thinking. And when you say E equals MC squared, that really is bringing into harmony what people often refer to as separate being meaning that spirituality and materialism or physicality is often considered to be separate. That's the lie. Mm -hmm. That's the lie right there. And it's actually really quite blatant, but with all this other programming of separation, we actually become schizophrenic. So if everything is one thing and e equals, e equals MC squared tells me everything is energy and energy can neither be created or can destroyed. It can only change form. Oh, okay, cool. So if everything is one thing, then where did evil come from? So, so here's another enormous program that we've bought into is this whole idea that there's only one source of everything. Uh, monotheism is a pretty big business. Um, so never mind, it, it, it drops us right into this horrific conundrum, which any thinking human being has dealt with and faced at one point in time, which is, okay, if God is love, then why is my, my five-year-old baby sister suffering and dying from leukemia? Why did my dad get killed? My, my dad who drives a cab, why did he get killed by a junkie? Why did my mom get raped? Why did I get raped? You know, if, if there's a God of love, how can these things be going on? War, famine, 8,000 children um, 
8,000 children a day dying of starvation. How can these things possibly flourish with a God of love? Or source, the light. The light is love. Source is love. One source, one, one thing. So we end up trying to manipulate an obvious conundrum. It's just like, well, this, how, I don't get it. So we start whitewashing evil. We avoid looking at it. We start talking about how everything is love. So, you know, the rape was kind of, it was really, it's a twisted kind of love, but I know it's a learning experience. We're in earth school. It's a learning experience. And I agreed to that before I came. So it's not bad. It's not evil. It's just part of the love program. Or how about, here's another great new age thing is, oh, it's not, it was an illusion. It was an illusion that that little five-year-old, actually a friend of mine, when she was five years old, her parents were in a, um, uh, the I am teachings, you know, wearing the right spiritual colors every day and talking about God and, and love. And they were part of, of satanic rituals at night. She was gang raped religiously at age five taught to kill. So, but the, the bifurcation, the split, the, 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 our psyches can't handle that. So, you know, she didn't remember that until she was way, way older in life. So we've, we've got this, this idea that, um, you know, oh, that reality, that's reality. That happened. That's no illusion. It's like, Physicality, you know, may be an illusion because we do know that scientifically this is energy, but it's configured so that the experience is not, it's physical and I can be hurt. You can be hurt. That five-year-old little girl raped was hurt. And I dare you to, you know, Jesus or Buddha standing, you know, in the face of something like that and going, oh, don't worry, it's just an illusion. So we've got all these mental excuses, this whole setup about evil has to be part of the love, the monotheistic love God game. We have twisted ourselves into pretzels trying to justify that and make it work. And so one of the things that just blew my mind in the last year and a half was when I ran across a, um, uh, a woman by the name of Jacqueline Hobbs and her uh, AKA Oracle girl. She at one point said something I was listening to a, to a, to a recording that she did. And she said at one point casually, Oh, and well, the evil, these, she calls them high negative, high frequency beings. She said the negative high frequency beings came from a totally different source. And then she went on to talk about something else. And I was just le left with my jaw down on the floor going, What? <laughs> What other source? My monotheistic one God, one source, one light brain just just exploded, and um, and I'm like, oh my God, another source? Well, that had never crossed my mind before, but it it's kind of like obvious once you start thinking about it. If evil is real, if these astral entities that every culture on Earth talks about and acknowledges for thousands of years. If this force is real, and if we really are beings of love, 
and that we are spirit and that we are aligned with nature, with life. If life, love is our essence, where did this anti-life force come from? It can't have come from life. So it came from someplace else. Now I've recently heard and I don't even remember the source of this because then my little brain goes, well, how long has it been here and where did it really come from? And what's that other source? And what I've, I've heard um, uh, somebody, uh, it was a channeled teaching. I can't remember who talk about how the seed of evil was planted 6 billion years ago in creation in, in the universe, not on this planet, but in the universe. So the potential for this anti-life, anti-love, it feeds on emotion, astral presence that is non-physical, but craves physicality, which is a whole other part of the agenda and why they're here, didn't show up on this planet until about 30,000 years ago when Atlantis um, was at its peak. And, you know, Atlantis, I guess, was this high technical society, very left brain, very, very scientific and technological. And, you know, we're better than nature. We know better than nature. We're going to overcome and we're going to be supreme and we're going to be technologically uh, create life and all that. Well, that went, you know, where and everything sank. And but it, apparently it was at that point of hubris, pride, arrogance, left brain, um, a, a, a society that really dropped the whole idea of love and cooperation. It became competitive. That's the, so this is, you know, depending on your source of, of, of Atlantis and what you know about it. Um, and I don't know very much, but it was like, wow, that's when that other source was magnetized here. Like attracts like. That's about 30,000 years ago when it showed up on this planet. And then, of course, Atlantis fell, and then we've got the rest of history as we think we know it, but not necessarily happened that way because even our history has been, has been distorted to make us believe certain things about ourselves. Is there any purpose for this evil? Well, I suppose that if I'm a high-frequency negative snake being in the astral, um, my own life is my own purpose. <laughs> but if, but what I feel you're really asking is that, is there some um, higher message here? Is there some higher lesson here in earth school for us to learn by, by having this, these entities here? Um, well, you know, they're here and, um, and I think it's high time we recognize that and um, dealt with it. And, and here's the thing about dealing with it. Well, let me get back to dealing with it because I want to, I want to finish your, your question about purpose. Um, we human beings have become very good at mentalizing and uh, figuring things out and making excuses for things and trying to find the reason something happened. Okay, well, they're here because God sent them here because humanity needs the lesson. Well, that's one story. Or, um, oh, we, we, we can learn about, okay, this is a dualistic reality. Okay, we have positive and negative polarity in our, and that's how this is, this world is created on protons and electrons and positive and negative forces. So duality is ingrained. 
um, at a scientific, at a, at a you know, fundamental level. So it would make sense that we would attract these beings. I mean, we can go down any mental story street we want to justify, do they have a purpose? So, I mean, you know, I, so, um, I mean, it's an interesting question. So I, I, I just, you know, at this point in my life, I'm just going, Shh, they're here. Okay. How do we deal with it? Mm-hmm. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Now that we're waking up to that this is real. Again, I, I again, I got to throw my hands in the air and go, Jiminy Christmas, Emmy. A year and a half ago, I would have laughed at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it is definitely something that does seem to impact people. And I'm sure those who are listening are all going to have different opinions. Some will say, oh, religion does actually teach that I am a loving being. Some will say my spiritual practice does teach me how to deal with this evil force. And like you said, there are people who just as soon not even face it or don't believe it's real. So what can we do? Uh, particularly those who, I mean, even saying the word evil can bring up fear in people. So how can we face this evil and what can we do about it? The biggest breakthrough for me, understanding the reality of the situation and this presence has been this dive that I've done. And in this journey, I've recognized that that is not me. When I got that at a visceral level, Emmy, I mean, when I woke up and I went, oh, my God, this is real, but it's not of the light. It's not love. It comes from another source. Oh, it's not me. When I got that, it was like taking a dead rhinoceros off my back. All of the weight of all of my life, the subconscious training of programming of I'm not good enough, I'm somehow bad and wrong, I need to feel bad about this, I need to feel guilty about that, it's all my fault, climate change, the whales, it's all my fault, Um, all of that. And I'm not saying humanity is not culpable or complicit because we are, and that's a whole other part of the story. But that whole weight of original sin and the darkness within lifted out of me. And I was able for the first time in my life, and this is after 40 years of meditation and going to the light, okay? I realized that for the first time it was a safe, I was a safe, I was a safe being. And my body was a safe place. And my heart not my physical pump, but my heart space, that energy, I could trust that and I could rest in that and I could believe in that and I could align with that. And then I could start making my choices in life from that frequency, grounded in, 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 as opposed to 40 years of training up and out, up and out, it's out there, it's out there. No, it's in here. It's the first time I've ever really felt safe. And it's so counterintuitive because we're taught that the body is not the safe place. It's the bad place. It's the evil place. It's the dark place. And it's also our bodies, you know, again, I can be hurt. So, yeah. 
So we've got all this programming about wanting to leave our bodies. And if we look at our social system right now, my God, going into AI and virtual reality and media, and we're constantly sucked out of ourselves over and over and over, taken out of nature. And this is, this is, our, this is the frequency of home. This is where we're safe because these entities don't have bodies. They can't embody. They can't get to us unless we go brain dead, unconscious, oblivious, go into a denial, go into fear, which we've been taught to fear this. Who saw the movie Aliens in 19-whatever with Sigourney Weaver and scared the crap out of you? It's just like, so, and once we start seeing this, you see the fear program everywhere and it's deliberateness in the media and it's being pulsed to us constantly, chronically. All the while the message, get out of your body. And so it's like, so there's this, it's like a perfect storm of not real. And that's what we're being driven into. So the safe place for me has been the body and in the heart of love and not some ideal of love and being nice and not thinking about dark things, but getting real. And it doesn't get any realer than this. Do you think the 40 years of meditation did aid you in some regard to be able to be comfortable in your body and in your own heart space and with love? It's, it's really hard to say. I, part of me goes, oh, this is going to sound bad. Part of me goes, what a waste of time. <laughs> and then the, another part of me goes, oh my God, the things I learned, the insights I had, yeah. the, you know, I, I, I talk, I had, a, you know, I focused on enlightenment and meditation so much. I actually went into an enlightenment experience for three days. I, I had to, because what we think about, what we desire, what that comes to us. Yes, we do. Consciousness and energy creates reality. Absolutely. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit, looking back, I wouldn't miss any of that. It's awfully humbling after wanting to be a, a big time spiritual teacher talking about, you know, out there and enlightenment and, you know, the illusion of of the body and all of that is very humbling <laughs> to turn around and go, oh, wow. <laughs> wow, it's right here. Holy crap. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. The way you describe some of your spiritual experiences, it sounds like maybe you think some of that was not entirely necessary. However, being able to get out of the thinking mind uh, can be aided through meditation, which is how one can be in the heart space and be in love. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like the old saw about um, the, the path to enlightenment. There's if there's 7 billion people on the planet, the path to enlightenment, there's 7 billion paths to enlightenment. I have to say that that 40 years of meditation has made me uh, made my given me the opportunity for a very quiet mind. Yeah. Thank you. And then finally taking that more quiet mind into an embodied awareness 
and focused more on what is love. And it's love is not always sweet. If love is the life force of creation itself, then it is fierce. It destroys mountains. It builds mountains. And one of the other things that's been very humbling is realizing how I have, how I've talked about love all my life. I've talked about love. I've pursued love and, and meditated on love and talked a lot of love stuff. And I, you know, fundamentally, I don't know what love is. <laughs> it's really weird, Emmy, but, um, with all of those years of focusing on love and meditating on love and shining love and talking about it, it's just like I've come to the conclusion that most of that I, I haven't got a real clue aside from the simplicity of love is do no harm. Don't set, and that means, you know, not necessarily don't step on a worm. I mean, you know, don't go out of your way to step on a worm, but, but what I've realized what that is, is that, don't set yourself up. Don't make choices that are against your heart. Don't make choices that are against life, affirming life itself. Um, don't set yourself up in choices that, that do set up problems down the road to create pain and separation with, with others. Um, so that's what I mean by do no harm. And sometimes love is, is fierce. As I say, it's, it's, <laughs> It's the force that created every, this. It's everything. Force is love is life, and it creates mountains and destroys them. So, and it doesn't have any compunction about that. It doesn't have any guilt. It just is. It's raging, gorgeous, glorious self, undeniable. Unless you deny it and think other things about yourself, like, "Oh, who am I?" And I, you know, I was so bad and I did this wrong and I didn't meditate right and I didn't meditate enough and I didn't wear the right clothes and and all this self-judgment. I mean, we wonder we've got a society fundamentally that an epidemic of lack of self-esteem. Well, we wonder where this comes from. We have been programmed. There has been an insidious force on this planet for, if that's, let's say, 30,000 years. Infiltrating religion, spirituality, politics, social systems, our, our general thinking over and over and over again. And it's like, that becomes the water we swim in so we don't even see it. And then there's the whole, you know, epigenetics. The, we pass on our emotions, our emotional um, patterns to our descendants. And so if I've been... I mean, let's just say I came from an Abrahamic religion 2000, you know, my lineage goes back to Abraham 4,000 years ago and the whole idea about original sin and, you know, and I've got that and the guilt around sex and the guilt around being a woman and the guilt around being in a body and 4,000 years of epigenetic emotion being passed down to us. Wow. We wonder why we've got issues. Sure. And the ways that people have been tribal and have harmed each other in horrific ways and all the trauma, subsequent trauma from that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So here's how the whole concept of original sin came. Augustine of Hippo, um, back in, I think, like 370 AD, his mom was Christian he was a sexual reprobate uh, and an atheist. He was just 
gone wild. And he met when his thirties, um, uh, a guy, no, he was dead by now, Monty. Um, he fell into a, a religious teaching called Monichaeism, and which is was funded by the prophet Monty of Babylonia a couple hundred years before Augustine of Hippo came along. So Augustine gets introduced to Manichaeism, which is all about the root of all, all evil is the physical body. If you were born into a physical body, you were born into sin. You are immediately born bad and wrong and corrupt, and you're going to do corrupt things, and you're going to be driven to, you are naturally violent, you are naturally sexual, you are naturally aggressive, you are not, because you're born in a body. You are born with original sin. So Augustine of Hippo comes along and goes, oh, that's why I've been such a bastard all my life. Wow, I'm going to convert to Christianity and I'm going to make my mommy proud. But And I now can justify why I was such a bad boy. I get it now. So that's how original sin started now. But where did Mani, the prophet of Babylon, get that idea? He got it from an, a voice that talked to him. He ended up calling it his other self. And his other self kept telling him this story about original sin until he believed it. And then he founded the religion of Manichaeism. And then Augustine of Hippo picked it up a couple of years, a couple hundred years later. And then we have what we have today. Now, was that an angel talking to Mani? Or was that an astral being whispering an agenda, infiltrating to try to twist humanity into something it's not to try to convince us that we are what it is. Mm -hmm. You have a long career in media and journalism. And just the other day I was perusing, looking for a movie to watch and, and I've noticed this for a few years, but it's astonishing how there are more and more films on violence and horror films. And I'm wondering if you can give your perspective on what you think is going on there, because I question, is this really a reflection of our society and culture? Is this really what people want to watch? Uh, if you ask me, which you just did, I would say that it's a deliberate program. It's part of the programming to convince us that we are violent, evil, dark creatures. And it's insidious because we, you know, I've talked about 4,000 years of epigenetic programming of guilt and self-castigation and self-hatred. This is so epidemic. It is global. It has been going on for thousands of years. We are constantly being driven into conflict, into wars, into, into divisiveness. And so now we've got this amazing medium, which could be used for such, huh, such upliftment. And yes, there are beautiful movies and messages out there. And, but it's hard, harder and harder to find that in the deluge of violence and dysfunction and the message of corruption. And, and, and so we're, we're hypnotized. We, th we already do believe these things inherent about ourselves. And then it's kind of like you can't look away from an accident. You, we keep going back to drinking from the same trough over and over. And, and it's, an, it's 
It's programming. It's mind control. And so, you know, I, it, it sounds so simple to say, you know, and all through my book, um, Cracking the Matrix, I, I have 14 keys, 14 steps to get us out of this quagmire of self-hatred and belief in these, in, you know, anti-life. That, that's where we're going. And to get us back to who we really are. So, and it's, it's simple. It's so simple that it's difficult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Learn to trust yourself, your own inner voice. I mean, you know, fundamentally, my whole message at this point is, is recognizing that I am an embodiment of love. I'm an expression of love. And so to make my choices and align with that energy, and to, but the icing on the cake and what really has empowered me, Emmy, is to recognize that I am not evil. I am not darkness. I am not innately corrupt, nor am I innately violent and aggressive. That's a bullshit story we've been given. And we've bought it. And what you buy, you end up wearing. And what you think you create. So that's the scary edge of this. If you want to ask me the, what's scary, it's not that for, that force can't touch me unless I invite it in. It cannot touch me unless I believe in it. It cannot touch me unless I believe I'm frequency specific with it. I'm pure love. I am so safe as long as I recognize that. And I am totally screwed over if I believe that I'm not mm -hmm. so subconsciously I can say I'm of the light all day long and if I haven't really turned around and looked at the reality of this I am dragging a cartload of subconscious I'm not a good person I've got to be somehow different higher better superior purer I'm it, and it's an endless journey to nowhere so, yeah, so the first step is to start getting grounded in love and start really, really knowing that and trusting that, trusting the still small voice within, trusting our heart to lead, not getting enmeshed in media, not getting enmeshed in the mind, and doing our best one step at a time to self-empower ourselves in our bodies, in our life, in our love. It's It's so simple, but... It's really uncovering and discovering what we really are yes yeah. and what we're not mm -hmm. it's not that you know and it's not that i'm never going to feel guilty about something if i hurt my best friend unintentionally i'm going to feel guilty about it you know if i if, i feel guilty if i step on the cat you know it's like that's just normal that's just human so but this whole you know i, I don't even know what it would look like emmy to have been raised in a in uh, 24-7 with social messaging of, of love, mm. you're a being of love. Mm, be amazing. <laughs> it would be amazing if we didn't have all this fear and violence pushed to us 24-7, if we didn't have all this messaging from every single direction telling us how bad and wrong we are. I'm like, holy shit, would we even have a shadow? Mm. I don't know. I, you know, at the end of the book, I talk about this as like, I mean, because my head explodes on a regular basis, quite frankly, um, looking at all these different, oh my God, really? It's like, wow, if I was raised in love, to know love and to know my true essence, would there even be shadow? 
I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, living in a a body brings its pain and and its issues and its suffering just by living in a body. So that's not going to go away, but maybe it will one day. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I sure do know what I'm not anymore. And that has been an empowerment and and it's it's changed my life, Mm -hmm. which is why I wrote the book. Yeah. Giving you a lot of freedom and joy. Utter freedom and joy. I mean, as I said, when I realize that I'm not that bad, wrong person that has to somehow, if I already am a being of love, how can I become what I already am? Mm -hmm. That's the dog chasing his tail endlessly. So, um, So I just ground myself in that all the time as much as I can that message and that realization. And, and when I got the, the guilt bag off my, off my shoulder, thinking that I was something I'm not, and I put that reality, if you will, those beings, that dimension, that frequency, and put it in its rightful place, not me over there, bye-bye, different life. You know, we, we talk about the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. This is the way we're going to do it is by realizing what we are and realizing what we're not and realizing that what we are, the message has been twisted and almost made to disappear to just reframe and come back to that. Let go of that. Can't fight it. What's to fight. It's not even physical. That's the trick. Fight it. Try to, you know, the good, bad, right, wrong, me and the white hat, you and the black hat. Drama, story, violence, aggression, conflict, division, feeding frenzy. It's the game they have driven us into and we've bought into it. So, yeah, so it's like, like, wow. And, And when I... When I get, and I get into a lot of this, I get into COVID, I get into vaccinations, I get into war, I get into MK Ultra, you know, CIA programming, I get into a lot of stuff in the book because I've looked at the thread of how we have been manipulated by this force through our governments, through elitist secret societies, which totally exist. I've had to get over um, my, uh, uh, avoidance of the C word conspiracy, you know, there, there's a, there, there's usually a kernel of truth at every bottom of every conspiracy story. And it's been, it's been scary to look at all that and how we have been manipulated. Um, but it's like sorting the wheat from the chaff. It's like, Oh, wow, wow, wow. I understand. I understand how we got here and I understand how we got here. And it's just like, wow, that's another big freedom. Okay. No more judgment. I know where all this came from. <sighs> We're going over here. Let's let's be who we really are in our hearts and in our bodies and join hands, come together. Bye-bye. And that's the new heaven and the new earth. It ain't a philosophy. If you could travel back in time, what advice would you give Mani when Mani heard the voice about the body being bad? I've gone to a lot of channeled teachings this lifetime. Not a lot, but a few. And... And I've been very intrigued. I had my original, one of my friends, you know, he had angels and guides and he was always listening to those voices. And that's, I have many people that I've known in the last 40 years on my spiritual journey who hear voices, who listen, who it's not all find me a parking space, you know? Um, So it's like, this is not an isolated um, event that only happened 
you know, 2000 years ago, what would I say to my money would be what I actually said to a friend many years ago when I lost that friend was, I think maybe you really ought to take a look at your dependence on voices and how do you really know the source? And, oh, but it feels so good and it feels so aligned in the, the voice in the messages. And I've looked at a lot of channeled messages and there's so much beautiful truth in them. So much beautiful truth given. And then every once in a while, I run across something that just there's a twist to it that takes it in a different direction. Um, and, and, and I go like it, it just, you know, the whole thing about we have to get beyond our humanity. We don't even know what our humanity is. We've been told what it is. We are beings of pure love. These bodies are expressions of pure love, life itself. That's what we are. So again, this trying to become something we're not, I mean, trying to become something we already are, you can't do it. And it's all this leading us down the other garden path. So what I would say to Monty is probably exactly that. Hey, dude, wake up, be discerning. Um, and try to give as much context because if we don't have the context of evil as a reality, these forces, you know, and I hate to call it evil. I actually call it the anti-life force um, in the book. Um, when, when we don't have that context of that as a reality, then we're kind of like batting at shadows. There, there's, there's nothing concrete. We, we're being influenced, but we don't know we're being influenced. So, how can we ever know the the only way we can ever know truth is to be in our hearts and to, if this lines with love, great. If it aligns with light, great. So if somebody comes along and whispers in my ear and says, body bad, the body's the reason you're corrupt and want to drink so much and have so much sex all the time. If I listen to that and I'm in, and I'm in my heart and in my body, know my body is of love and life. I go, <laughs> You're full of it. Bye, bye, go get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know? But if we don't have the context of this force as a reality, then, then we're lost. Well, and I'm thinking about someone who's listening who is hearing scary voices or seeing scary things at night. How would you suggest they, or any time of the day, how would you suggest they deal with that? That's a $64,000 question. And I think it's, individual absolutely um for me it's been getting into that frequency space in my heart feeling my love grounding it in my body feeling love and being in that space and knowing that that's life itself and that is our safe place that's life it's the exact antithesis of what that those negative high frequency beings that force is that cannot touch us when we're in that space. It can't. So however you can get in touch with your heart, whatever works for you, whether it's thinking about your baby and, you know, rocking your baby in your arms, whether it's thinking about Jesus, whether it's thinking about Buddha, whether it's holding a flower, whatever evokes that beautiful, beautiful sense of who we really are being in your body, being in your heart, and that frequency, you're untouchable. 
And the most powerful thing I've known is to finally realize that I am I am in un untouchable in that space, that that frequency cannot intrude unless I invite it in through fear. And then, of course, there's that horrible cycle of, oh, my God, I'm fear You know, I'm afraid that I'll be afraid. You know, we've all been there. We're human. This is not a, you know, one and done thing. This is a journey. This is an awakening to who we really are. Uh, it's an awakening into our hearts. It's an awakening into community. You know, if, if you've got friends you can talk to, people you can be with, um, it's, it's you know, anything that uplifts your frequency, anything that takes you in, but in, not out of your body, but into your body. So you feel grounded in this. Whatever you can do to evoke that and then rest in that place, that's, that's your launch pad, mm -hmm. if you will. And it's totally individual. You know, I couldn't possibly say for any other person. Myself, that's what I do. I just really, I, I know what my my heart wants and and this life place and the happiness and the, you know, I think about my my property, my friends, my, my loved ones. It's like, ah, okay. And knowing, God, I cannot even say this enough, knowing finally, really, that I am not bad, that I am not wrong, that I have been programmed. I have been twisted into thinking I'm something I'm not. Taking the burden of guilt that I'm somehow an awful person off of my shoulders, putting it aside and going, that was a story I was told. Like a little child, I believed it. But that's not true, and I know the truth now. So that's the start. That's the best start I can recommend. And, you know, I'm open to conversations about this. This is such a, this is a new conversation. It's such an ancient conversation, Emmy, which just blows my mind that in a way we're just really starting to come back to this as a conversation of this, this interference as a reality. You know, how can, wow. So yeah, once we, re, once you realize you've been interfered with and that it can't touch you, and yes, okay, you're going to feel fear, but don't worry. Feeling fear is normal. Get back to that lovey, juicy place. Mm -hmm. you know, don't don't worry that you sometimes feel fear. Don't don't go down that path. You know, don't worry. Don't worry if you worry. Yeah, <laughs> just keep coming back to that grounding in love in your heart. It's an easy thing to say if we believe evil is true, that the devil made me do it. So where is their personal responsibility or accountability when someone says, hey, porn's not that bad, or, you know, it's can be a healthy thing, or what's wrong with X, Y, and Z behavior that I might engage in? Uh, what might you say to those folks? Yeah. Like you gave an example in your book of I'm debating about having a pint of ice cream. What's so bad about a pint of ice cream? But if you do it, you know, regularly and you gain weight and you don't feel good about yourself and, you know, yada, yada. So, you know, I know how I know what feels good. And I know I feel good when I feel warm and tender mm -hmm. um, with myself, with with people I love mm -hmm. and that uplifted sense of community and bonding and it just feels juicy. It just feels, we know when we have that, that sense of connection mm -hmm. to ourselves, to one another. And then there's all these other influences that we're trained that are, you know, it's perfectly fine. Porn is fine. Booze is fine. Pot is fine. Drugs are great. Um, and it's like, 
I think the very fact that there becomes a question, I mean, you use the example of I was wrestling with, should I go get that pint of ice cream or not? I really want to feel better in this body. I really want to feel juicy and joyous. I want to feel loving. I want to be kind. I want to be in, in good companionship that's jolly, you know? And it's just like, wow. And so then there's the choice comes of is, you know, getting off on a, on a sex video, taking me in that direction is having that extra martini taking me in that direction. Or is this compensation for love that I didn't get when I was a little girl or a little boy? Where am I empty? What's really driving this action that I keep doing and going back to over and over and over? Okay, I'm addicted to that martini. I'm addicted to that porn. What hurting place is in me that hasn't been seen, that hasn't been acknowledged by others or even by myself. And, you know, these are hard places to go. If we want to call this shadow work, yeah, great. Um, but these are the the programs and the hurts and the wounds that we've, that have been inflicted upon us that we've all experienced to a greater or a lesser degree. So to learn to trust that love space and and know that there is a way out and to start making better choices and to keep grounding in that love space and keep asking over and over what's self-loving for me you know and that that's a, it's a tough tough journey and i don't think we it i think rarely can you really do it alone i've been working with this wonderful woman robin duda um uh, out of sad santa fe i talk about her a lot in my book and um, yeah, and she's helped me tremendously to wake up to how to deal with these forces and that hook into my own wounds. So we really have to start understanding God, what we're dealing with in our own psyche, in our own wounding, and really start being honest rather than just trying to pile compensation after compensation, you know, denial over denial. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Get back yeah. I'm fine. You know, it's like, Whoa, it is, is that that moment of self-reflection of like, wow, I'm really hurting. Maybe this isn't the best choice, but that takes a lot of other in, you know, that that's a dance. That's a, such a tough individual journey and we're all on it. Mm -hmm. I ain't sitting here. Perfect. <laughs> The title of your book is Cracking the Matrix. What matrix are you referring to? Is it the matrix from the movie? Well, well, there's so many different matrices. <laughs> um, the obvious one is, yes, we have a social matrix. We have all the programming, whether it's religious, spiritual, political, medical. We have that matrix of information that we buy into or don't buy into or sometimes buy into. So that's one matrix. Then we've got a matrix of this whole good evil thing that, you know, we've got a matrix of understanding what the programming is around that and what we've come to. So that's, you know, this matrixes are basically storyland. We're in these different stories and there's so many different levels of story. So we've got the social matrix we've got of what's acceptable, what's socially acceptable, what's politically acceptable, blah, blah, blah. That's a matrix. We've got the infiltration of this negative force that has its own agenda. Original sin is a program. That's a matrix, if you will. There's a religious matrix. Then we've got our individual matrix. 
I think I'm Kate Montana and, and, you know, this is what I do and I'm in a physical body. And so I've got my own personal, you know, I've, I've, I have a master's degree in psychology and I'm a journalist and I do this and I do that. So I've got my ego matrix. I've got my self-identity matrix. So when you talk about cracking the matrix, it's like, well, well, which one are we going to talk about? But fundamentally, the, the matrix that I'm talking about cracking in the book is the invisibility of this negative force and how it's influenced us because it has been invisible and, and to wake up to that and to crack through that illusion that that doesn't exist and then to deal with it and engage our, our love our embodiment, our emotional will, and come together in that different, it's a totally different reality, Emmy. It's a totally, you know, I, it, all those years of spiritual spiritual meditation and, and you know, craving for enlightenment and transformation, and I thought moving into a whole, <laughs> moving into a whole different reality was going to, you know, I was going to ascend and, and, you know, not sit on a cloud, but certainly I was going to be in bliss and love land all the time. And then to, to crack open my, my reality and have a different reality, and it's like, oh, I have to deal with a different earth reality first. It's been a wake-up call. Um, but a good one, but it's such an empowering one and such an exciting one because we're, we're at a time where we're all like going, holy Moses, none of this is working. You know, my, my spiritual practice isn't working. Why am I not further down the road? My religious whatever isn't working. My, my money thing isn't working. I'm not happy. I feel distant. I feel all that stuff. And we're all looking around going, what is it? What, what's missing? What are we not seeing? So this is what we're not seeing. And it's so exciting because once you see this and once we, you know, once we get this utter simplicity of, oh my God, actual love. Wow. What it feels like. Wow. Coming together, holding hands, doing this work. That's what takes us. That's, that's the other reality that moves us into that long prophesied new heaven and new earth. And it's based in our heart and it's in our bodies. It's about expressing that what we already are and always have been. But we can only know what we are until we know what we're not and see the whole picture. Then it's a different game. And that is so exciting because that's where we are right now. Yeah. And I'm thrilled. And has this been easy unfolding and, and seeing this? No. Has it been empowering? Hell yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, the potential is endless, Emmy. We, we and I see so many. I see so many people starting to wake up and walk into into in, from one way or another, starting to get this message of embodied love, not airy fairy out there idea about love, but in their body and coming together. And it's so cool and very exciting. Isn't that what many religions and most spiritual practices are about? Is recognizing the love who we are. Yeah. Absolutely. But there's always that. Yes, yes. That's the, that's the ground message. That's ground zero. And we've all been taught that we are these beautiful spirits of love. But then that gets overlaid with this other matrix of original sin and guilt and bad and shame and all these other things. And I'm not enough. And I need to get out there to God. I need to divinity is above me. There's a hierarchy, there's a path, there's a journey. It's always taking me to be something I think I should be. And it all leads us away. So, yeah, it starts. That's, that's, I think, the most insidious thing is that there's such beauty and such truth at all levels because 
we are who we are and we know who we are way, way, way deep subconsciously, of course. So yeah, there's these beautiful messages, but then there's this influence that comes in and twists things. So yeah, seeing through that matrix is, is, uh, is a huge part of the huge part of the journey. Kate, this has been very intriguing, definitely leaves a lot for us all to ponder and to really maybe even move out of our thoughts and into our heart and into our bodies more. Is there anything else you would like to share today about facing evil? Wow. You know, I think the important thing is facing our true, true being and, 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 and recognizing that, that beauty that we are. When, when we get how beautiful and graceful and gorgeous and unlimited we are, I mean, we're told this, but there's all that overlay of, of that's that other message that we've bought into. But if we can put that message aside and just ground in that simple feeling, that's the, that's ground zero. Mm-hmm. And, um, and our bodies will never let us down. It'll always, the, the body always tells the truth. It, it, it holds love. It is love. It's the embodiment of love. It's the expression of love. So how, you know, if the more we can tap back into that, that's, that's our launch pad. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much for being with me today. This has been a blast. Thank you so much, Emmy. I've thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And for those of you listening or watching, thank you for being with us. 